Well, Merry Christmas, New Hope Church. It is so good to see you. Can we just take a moment and turn to somebody and just tell them Merry Christmas and say good morning to them right now, would you? <laughs> what a joy to be with you. And I want to give it up for, for Jenny Stark, who facilitated our Advent candle today. Can we just thank the Lord for Jenny? And uh, she helps... She was here leading worship with us this morning. And speaking of leading worship, how about Pastor Harry being here? We're so thankful, so grateful. And uh, praise the Lord already just for his, uh, the energy he brings and his love for Christ is so evident. Hey, uh, I wanted to uh, let you know, my name's Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are a guest, welcome to New Hope Church. We're so glad you're with us today. We're glad we get to be with you. And uh, if you are a guest, I want to direct your attention right outside the doors here is a welcome center. And we have folks that would love to interact with you, answer any questions you have, uh, give, give uh, any uh, encouragement that you might need. Please don't hesitate to stop by there. And uh, let me also remind everybody just what uh, Pam and Lori said. What a great seeing Pam and Lori together. Oh, that was so much fun. All right. So, uh, I mean... They're so special. So uh, let me underscore what they said about next weekend, our Christmas Eve services, 2.30 and 4 o'clock on Sunday. We're not going to have our normal Sunday morning uh, worship gatherings because that afternoon will be a really full and wonderful uh, afternoon of worship and celebration of Christ our King. And I want to invite you to invite folk to come with you, family, friends, neighbors, strangers, people that might need a safe space to just worship Jesus and perhaps uh, for them uh, just to hear the gospel. Maybe, maybe they've not heard of this Jesus before and this is an opportunity for them to do so. So let me, let me encourage you to save space for them and bring them along. Hey, you know what? Something so exciting uh, is that we just finished up our Thanksgiving offering here these past few weeks. And uh, I get to sit down with the president, uh, my friend Tom, the president of the uh, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and uh, hand him a check for $29,000. Is that not really great? Um, so thank you. Thank you, New Hope Church. Thank you so much for your generosity, your kindness, and for the support that you have for uh, these kind of causes for ministries like uh, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. Uh, this is exciting, and as we've said before, years will pass and we will hear the stories of how your investment and your generosity and your kindness uh, was used literally to change a young woman or an older man, uh, their lives. And he's that good. God is that good, and he loves and cares that deeply. And uh, you are a part of that. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, let me remind you here, we've got about three Sundays left of this year. And can I just ask you to help us finish financially strong here at New Hope Church this calendar year? Three more Sundays uh, before we get to January or to uh, December 31st. And uh, we'd love to uh, hit that mark uh, in a really great position as we head into the new calendar year. If you have questions about that, don't hesitate to ask. And uh, if there's any way you can uh, just prayerfully think, how can I really help us do that? And uh, get that, that ball, as it were, across that finish line for, uh, for finishing well financially here this calendar year. That'd be great. Uh, you pray, you talk to Jesus about it, and uh, you be as generous as, as the Lord would have you be. Uh, if you are tuning in with us right now from somewhere far away, 
as part of our online community, I want to welcome you here. You are welcome here. We're so thankful that you're joining us here at New Hope Church in the Minneapolis area. And uh, we don't take for granted that we have hundreds and hundreds of people that tune in just uh, every week through our online means. And we're so thankful that we can connect with you that way. So it's good to be with you. Merry Christmas to you as well. All right, so uh, listen, I'm just going to tell you, this is, this is the silliest little story. Um, not long after I married Miss Krista, all right, I'm going to work one morning. I'm in Dallas where we lived. I'm heading to work and uh, driving my 1982 Dodge Aries K station wagon with the nice wood grain panel sides, right? And the velour seats. I mean, this was really high class. And um, I actually love that car. My friends called it the Preacher Mobile, all right? And it kind of fit, I reckon. Anyway, I'm driving along on the way to work. I, I worked at a swimming pool company because when you're a poor seminary student, that's the kind of thing you did to pay your bills and to, uh, you know, be able to stay in class and all that. So I'm, I'm, I'm heading to work, and as I'm driving along there on Abrams Road, all of a sudden I hear this awful racket underneath my car. I mean, it, it is just, it is, wow, what in the world is going on underneath my car? I pull over. Uh, to the side, and I get out, and I, I look underneath, and sure enough, right where my tailpipe connects to the muffler, it has come loose and is dragging on the pavement, barely hanging on to the front end up under the, uh, under the car, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world am I going to do? I can't drive to work the rest of the way with this tailpipe dragging along the pavement, so voila, I reached into my pocket and pulled out a red bandana. I thought, I am the smartest guy around. I mean, I'm a Boy Scout, be prepared, right? I pull out my bandana and I, I climb under the car and I lift up the tailpipe and I tie it all really good to the frame. And I'm really proud of myself. I come back out from under the car, get in the front seat, head on down the road, about one minute goes by, maybe two, and then I smell something burning. Because alas, the tailpipe is hot, right? And it catches the bandana on fire. And about the moment that I am smelling, and I'm like, whoa, oh, oh, my goodness, it's burning. About that moment, I hear clink, and suddenly the tailpipe's now dragging on the, on the pavement again. And I'm thinking, oh, my word. And I stop, I get out, I look under, the bandana's gone. I mean, there's maybe a little bit of ash on the top of the tailpipe. And the tailpipe's still there on the pavement. And I just drove it that way all the way, the rest of the way to work, making lots of noise with lots of people watching. And I was embarrassed. And you know what? A big lesson was learned that day. A big lesson was learned that day. And that is that you have to have really strong things to fix broken things. I needed something stronger to mend the broken thing. Something better. I needed something better to mend what was broken. And you know, that's a great lesson for life, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, although I have a suspicion, but when uh, you and I reflect, when I reflect on my own life, I step away from just the, the car and the tailpipe and I think about the life of Matthew, Russell, St. John, I realize that my life has a tailpipe that too often is hanging down and dragging along the pavement of time. And that tailpipe might be fear, because there's a lot of things I'm afraid of, I, and I really want power, but in the end, I just have fear. And that tailpipe might be filth. I can be really dirty inside. I don't know about you, but I want to be clean, but more often than not, I'm, 
I'm dirtier than I wish to admit. And that tailpipe might be shame. I really want to be a, a human being that is marked by honor and, and the kind of wherewithal that comes with that. But more often than not, instead, what I have is a tailpipe of shame just clanking along the pavement of time. And that tailpipe might be guilt or condemnation. I really want to be a man who just rests in forgiveness and freedom, but alas, more often than not, I'm consumed with guilt and self-conscious over it. And what I try to do to these things is I try to take these bandanas of, of uh, self-righteousness or or self-effort. I try to take these bandanas and tie them up and hope that that'll work. And you know what? It might work for just a little while. And maybe, maybe I'll go a few miles down the road before, guess what? The bandana burns up and yet again, the tailpipe is dragging along. I need something stronger to bind up what's broken. And my guess is you do too, right? What might that be though? What might be the stronger thing to bind up the broken things? What might be the material that we could twist together so as to tie up the loose ends of our lives and yet not have it burn up, bend or break, unravel or fray or snap under the pressure, the heat or the weight? of our sin, our shame, our sorrows, our fears, our filth, our weariness in this world. What might it be? Well, I would submit to you that what we need is help. What we need is hope. And you understandably may say, hope? What does hope have to do with those things you just shared? Did you know, in the ancient world, the people of the Bible, the people of the Old Testament, the Hebrew people, our Jewish friends, when they think of hope, they cannot help but think of material that is twisted together so as to tie or bind something. As, as a matter of fact, in the Hebrew language, the word for hope, tikvan, is the exact same word for cord or twine or rope. And the idea was that you take some material, some strands of fabric, or, or fibers, you, you, you bind them, you, you wrap them all together tightly, you twist them and turn them and they get thicker and tougher and you use that to tie something. Maybe it's to hold down a sail on a boat or to tie the horse to the cart or to, you know, to, to drag the rock from the field or whatever it is. And what you want is the strongest possible cord or twine or rope or other uh, kinds of fabric twisted together, and the stronger it is, the more it can withstand, uh, withstand the pressure, and the concept of it withstanding the pressure is in the Hebrew mindset, hope. In, in fact, look at this uh, 
very simple statement. Withstanding great tension, enduring the elements, not coming apart, holding fast, these ideas lend themselves to the concept of hope. And so the stronger the cord, the stronger the rope, the stronger the, well, the fabric, the bandana, the better it is, that's hope. Because you know, you expect it will endure and it won't break or bend or burn. And so what I needed for my car was something much stronger than a bandana. And what I need for all the things that cause despair within my soul is something stronger than these spiritual bandanas of works and, and hopes that are, that are uh, small, human effort, well wishes. I need, I need something bigger, stronger, mightier, a cord of three strands that will not break. And so do you. We need help. And we need hope with a capital H. But what might that be? Or who? Well, as we're here in the middle of this Christmas season, I can't help but think of the shepherds outside of Bethlehem. Many of you are aware of these shepherds. And I want to tell you straight up, I think you and I can relate to them a lot more than we understand or imagine. Uh, let me mention a couple of things about these shepherds. First of all, uh, they get a bad rap. We tend to think of the shepherds as these uncouth, uneducated, ignorant, filthy, unkempt people out there in the wilderness taking care of someone else's sheep. And we're not too far off from that, except I think that might be overstating it with these shepherds that we see in the Christmas story. And I'm admitting to you straight up that more often than not, I've thrown these shepherds under the proverbial bus by talking about how ignorant and unkempt they might be. Because it makes for an easy story. But the reality is, I think they are more sophisticated. You see, they're managing the sheep that are used for the sacrifice at the great temple in Jerusalem. And so they're probably contracted by the priests, and they may well be among the priestly families. You see, these shepherds live at the intersection of what is vulgar and what is sacred. They're out there living life in the rough and tumble world where things are challenging and difficult, and yet at the same time, their whole world is about sustaining that which helps people experience God. And so here they are living right there at that intersection. And you know what? You and I are too. Let me be direct. We're living at that intersection of the vulgar and the sacred. We're living life in a rough and broken world. And Lord willing, we have an imagination for what can draw people to God, including and perhaps most chiefly ourselves. We're hungry for him. We're spiritually hungry. We really are. All of us. Every one of us. Every one of us. So to that extent, maybe we are more like those shepherds than we think, dealing with the dirty, aspiring for the sacred. We just don't know how to find it always, how to manage it always, how to live in that tension. We'll talk about that after the first of the year, by the way, living in that tension. 
Another thing about these shepherds is they're stuck, hear me now, they're stuck in a system that has no meaningful conclusion. Did you hear that? Any of you ever feel that way? You're stuck in rhythms that, that don't seem to lead toward anything meaningful? You're, you feel like you're the, you know, the hamster on the wheel, just round and round and round and round and round and round and round, right? Or maybe, maybe your tailpipe is dragging on the pavement and you stop and you grab your bandana and you tie it up and you feel pretty good for a few minutes and then lo and behold, you smell the, the burning uh, uh, odor and you, and you get back out and you're, oh, it's down on the pavement again. You pull out another bandana, you wrap it up and you get back in the car and you drive a little further and then there's that smell again and you can hear the clanking and oh my goodness, you get out, you go, pull out another bandana and you take, we just back and forth, back and forth, driving a little bit, there's that odor again, new bandana, hold it up, go a little further, there's that odor again, new bandana, hold it. You get the picture, right? Any of you ever feel that life is like that? Any of you ever feel that your spiritual life is like that? See, what these shepherds were doing were managing sheep that were used for the sacrifices there at the great temple Sacrifices so that the people giving the sacrifices could be aware and sensitive of their sin and could, as it were, satisfy the just demands of a holy God. But you know what they had to do when they made the sacrifice? They had to go right back to it at another time, and then another time, and then another time, and then another time. And what the shepherds were doing were managing this process, this structure, this rhythm that seemed to have no meaningful conclusion or climax. And so I would say that their life, and maybe yours and mine, is summed up quite well by the writer of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13. Look here with me. Uh, We'll see, uh, it, Proverbs 13, Proverbs 13, okay, that's all right, no worries. The guys are back there looking at me like, yeah, Pastor, we don't have Proverbs 13. Uh, no worries at all. Proverbs 13, here we go. Proverbs 13, verse 12. I hope, we'll see. I'm pretty sure it's here, let's see. Here we go, ready? Hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. That's right, Leroy. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Thinking maybe this cord, this twine, this rope, this bandana, this fabric twisted together will hold it does for a bit, but then it breaks. It does for a bit, and then it breaks. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Is there hope that doesn't have to be deferred? Is that out there somewhere? Well, we'll see if this is here. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Hey, can we just give it up for the guys and gals back here in the back? They are awesome. Thank you guys, you guys are so great. Luke chapter two, verse eight, in the same region, there were shepherds 
out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Here they are, out there doing their labor for generations, laboring away, managing the system, living at the intersection of vulgar and sacred. There they are, just like us, managing the system, living at the intersection of vulgar and sacred, except more often than not for us, and I think for them too, while we wish we could just drive along in our fancy little cars with the wood panels, what we find is we're heading down the road with tailpipes just clanging and clanging and clanging, and we just can't, despite how much effort we put into it, bind them together and keep them from falling apart. But then thankfully, there's verse nine. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is amazing news. The system has just been interrupted. The Rhythm of doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again has just been interrupted. The hope that has been deferred for generation after generation has just shown up on the scene. And in a world where the shepherds and you and I are trying to fix all the broken things of our lives with with uh, cheap bandanas and lightweight twine, that scarlet cord that will not break has shown up and his name is Jesus. Born of a virgin and he lived a righteous and sinless life And then one day, he is betrayed by someone close to him, a disciple and a friend. Talk about painful. The prophets of old prophesied about that. King David, a thousand years earlier, foretold such a thing. And you, my friend, David wrote in Psalm 55. Then Jesus is arrested by the authorities, tried in an unjust religious court, convicted of things that he certainly did not do. Any of you ever had that experience? I know some of you have. Then he's tortured, 
crucified, murdered on a Roman death instrument called a cross. Not unlike what we have up here. By the way, when he died, according to John the Baptist, Jesus is the Lamb of God. With his death, that brought an end to all that perpetual rhythm of sacrifices. Why? Those lambs bought satisfaction for a moment. Jesus buys satisfaction for all of eternity. Those lambs, they helped reinforce the idea that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus came for all of us sinners because he is the Savior. And three days after he died on that cross, the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice, he rose from the dead so that we can have new life in him forevermore, now and forever. And what that means is I don't have to keep pulling out bandanas and lightweight cords and trying to bind up my fear and my shame and my filth and my guilt because he has it all in his hands. He's bound it all up with his life and death and life again. I can be done. He did it all. He did it all. Once and for all. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has taken all the loose ends of my life and he's bound them all up to a cross and there they died. And then he rose from the dead as if to say, all of that's over. He is the savior and because of his death and resurrection, Sin and death and the devil, fear and filth and, and shame and guilt and all the weariness of this world, none of that has the final word, amen? None of it. That's the Christmas story, friends. That's the Christmas story right there. Not only is he the Savior, but he is the personification of hope, the embodiment of it all. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1 says of Jesus, he is, quote, our hope. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 says that Jesus is, quote, our living hope. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3 says Jesus is our hope for purity, quote, because he himself is pure. And then the writer of the book of Hebrews offers this wisdom right here. Jesus, oh, listen, because of him we hold fast to the hope. He is the hope set before us. We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Praise God, praise God, praise God. 
Friends, right now, this few weeks, as we think about Christmas, we're thinking about longing for something to give. Fear from which we could find relief. Next week, when we're together with candlelight and carols, joy because Christ has come. Today, hope because He, our Lord Jesus, is the cord of three strands that will never break, never burn, never bend, always endures, binds up what is broken, never fails. So I urge you, I urge you, I urge you, believe in Him. Call on Him. Follow Him. Rest in Him. In darkness, we were waiting. Without hope, without light, till from heaven Jesus came with mercy in his eyes. He binds all the broken things, he makes it all new. For unto you is born today a Savior. The hope of glory, Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen.